Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hey, everyone. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the Sexy Lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know, we love talking and learning about everything related to sex and sexuality, sexual health, and of course, sexual pleasure. We love diving deep into the naughty, the taboo, and the unknown. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because, well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. We sure do. So, do you ever feel like you're not good enough? Do you find yourself acting in a certain way in an attempt to be what those around you would find more lovable, even though those actions are not in line with who you really are? So on today's show, we're going to discuss how you can find the love you desperately need and deserve while living your authentic life and create meaningful relationships and connections with others. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this show. We have a great guest, but first we're going to talk to you about our top waterproof blanket because great sex is messy sex and nobody wants to sleep in that wet spot. So if you're fed up with having to change your sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our top waterproof blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof, and it guarantees to keep your bed and mattress dry no matter how wet it gets. From messy massage oils or silicone lubes to all sorts of sexy wetness, you can just throw it in the washer and dryer and it comes out looking like brand new. And you don't have to leave your house to get one. Simply and safely go to Amazon and order yours today. Search Top Waterproof Blanket. That's T-O-P, Waterproof Blanket. Great sex starts now. It sure does, and so does today's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we are so excited to welcome today's special guest. We have sexologist Emmy Tafelski from Me Therapy. She's, a, she's passionate about helping people reach their full potential and live their best life in order to create fulfilling relationships and connections with others. So, um, Emmy, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much, Carolyn David, for having me on. I'm excited to be here and um, excited to see where our conversation takes us today. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we start off by you telling us a little bit about your journey and how you got into therapy and from being you know, in therapy to becoming a therapist and then actually ultimately getting your PhD. Sure. Um, so I was um, raised with the idea of kind of never good enough, like as a thread that ran through my life and into adulthood. And um, so it informed how I behaved I mean, I didn't know it at the time, right? I've had years of therapy and continue in therapy because I think it's vitally important for a therapist to be in therapy. Um, but when I was 16, I told my mother that if she didn't get me help, um, bad things would happen. And she listened to me. I'm, I feel very lucky that she listened to me and found me an amazing therapist who uh, really helped me understand the various pieces of myself and helped me uh, work through some trauma that happened early in childhood and happened in my teen years and et cetera. Um, and so 
she, I credit her with really helping me to be the whole person that I am today. Um, and as to being a therapist, it wasn't, that was never my intention. <laughs> my undergrad degree is in anthropology. Um, and it was really my intention to um, study primates and or study Egypt or something like that. Um, in my 20s, I somehow decided that I wanted to further my education and get my master's in counseling psychology and go through all the hoops that are required to become licensed. And so I did all of that. And um, yeah, I, I, it was the right time in my life. I had a stable relationship with my husband and it was the right time in my life to um, embark on this next part of my journey. And so I did it and loved being a therapist. Also became a sex therapist in the state of Florida and um, loved that as well. Um, really wanted to be a safe place for people who live alternative lifestyles and love styles to come and um, get whatever support and help they need, relevant or irrelevant to their life and love styles. Um, but having that not be the focus if it's not the focus. But how come you had this this turn towards sexuality if you were a person who were eventually, you were in the past, I mean, um, thinking about going into primates and, and that part of um, society? What got you turned to sex? <laughs> um, well, I was more turned to therapy. The sex piece came later, right? So the sex piece came with really um, wanting to provide a safe space for uh, people who don't adhere to um, what we think of as our monogamy-focused culture. Um, and that was a second piece of just being able to provide a safe space for people to come and be who they are. Mm -hmm. I, I get that. But, you know, to talk about sex and to have people come to your clinic and, and ask for advice on sex, you have to like sex or you have to be interested in it. Is that something that's intrigued you your whole life? Yes. I mean, sex is awesome. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sex is awesome. Um, I love sex. I'm, I mean, I I have no shame around loving sex. It's It's... I think as um, I have some sexual trauma in my early history and um, so I've had to do a lot of healing around sex and pleasure and being in charge of my own um, self when it comes to relating to other people in that way. Uh, but it's pretty empowering to do that healing work and feel free to engage with pleasure and others and love and life and help others get there as well cool and we're going to talk about your sex life later on in the show and the relationship <laughs> you have with your husband and all that stuff but it, it's just it's just good to you know hear someone who's who's gone through a journey re related to her sexuality and had some trauma and come out on the positive end where mm -hmm. she's now helping other people that's awesome yeah thanks yeah, yeah. um yeah it's it irritates me that sex is a taboo topic and so I have a it irritates me that um, somehow therapists draw a line between relationship work mm -hmm. and sex work helping people with their mm -hmm. sexuality um, because I, I sex is an integral part of being a human being right, right? whatever that means to you yeah. so 
Cool. Very, very cool. And did you ever think at a 16-year-old that you wouldn't one day become a sex therapist? Like, that must be a whole other angle that you would probably not have dreamt about. I didn't even know what that was. I wouldn't have ever, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) definitely not. That's cool. That's very, very cool. You know, we're going to talk about your your clinic in just a second, but I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, 50% of marriages end in divorce. And we've talked to so many experts over the years, and the one common thread about sexuality and relationships is communication. And how cool would it be, and I'd love to see the stats, if everybody who was in a relationship were able to talk about sex the way we're going to talk today and we talk on, on a regular basis, how that rate of divorces would go down because people would talk about their sexual needs, their sexual wants, their sexual desires, instead of keeping them in the back of their mind, going out cheating and doing all that stuff. And instead of the end being a divorce, they'd actually be able to talk to each other about what their wants were. Yeah, that would be very cool. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that's the thing I hear most when people come for sex therapy is that they, they've never talked about it before. They don't talk about it with their partner. To sit in the office and talk about it with me is is there's a lot of shame it's very awkward it's very uncomfortable um so yeah it would be an amazing thing if we could start a talking about sex revolution Mm -hmm. absolutely and i don't know if you know but david and i are on our second marriages and our first marriages that failed well had a lot to do with the sex that we didn't have Mm -hmm. with our other partners and i mean over the years we've learned uh, how important it is to talk about sex and when i say have sex when i say that i was married for 16 years and we never talked about sex not even suggesting should we or shouldn't we it just either happened or didn't on its own without even mentioning words because we just did not talk about sex Uh, whether it was good or bad our wants or anything it just wasn't part of any conversation we ever had it's like no wonder that marriage failed there was we lost intimacy halfway through you know you got three kids running around and jobs and you're busy and you're traveling and um, and then you're not even planning. You're not talking about your needs. You're not talking about what you're missing. No kidding, they're yeah. going to fail. And I wish I knew more then, like I do now, right. on how to talk about sex and and actually say the things that we want to say and what we need in and our what relationship. You want, yeah. yeah, of course. If we only knew what we know today, back then, right, we might not have gotten divorced, and that's where this whole thing started from. Yeah, this discussion, I should say. All right, so tell yeah. us a little bit about your clinic. Now, your clinic is called Me Therapy. Uh, it's got a beautiful picture of it on your website. It's so cute. Uh, tell us a little bit about how long you've had it, how you developed it, and where you're at today. Sure. So um, I was in solo practice for a while. And about almost three years ago, I became um, a group practice. We've got six clinicians. And um, we've got one person who's done extensive um, training in sex and sexuality, another person who's getting a certificate in human sexuality. um, And the others haven't done the same amount of training, but are focused on trauma and anxiety and other things and relationships. So um, we work collaboratively with each other and um, we are a sex positive, inclusive practice. So we are a safe space for uh, people who practice non-monogamy, who practice 
kink who are polyamorous who um and of course the lgbtqia plus community as well and we work with relationships and individuals so i use the term relationships um to be inclusive of polyam folks Mm -hmm. so you can come see us if you're three people or four people Mm -hmm. or however many people you are and we will meet you exactly where you are and help you get where you want to be. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh, Just so we can make some clarification for our audience, we talk about traumas if everybody knows what that is and now you mentioned you have a trauma specialist there. Could you just explain to the audience what what that means if you've had trauma in your life in general? Ah, Some examples, perhaps. My first marriage was a trauma. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Ten years of trauma. But specifically, things that really hurt us that we have to work through. You know, what are some examples? I mean, I think that you right now just gave a great definition, right? Like things that have impacted us in the past that have hurt us. Um, And some people talk about little T trauma and big T trauma. And a big T trauma might be um, an assault or um, an unexpected... Uh, extreme loss or something like that and a little t-trauma might be something like messages we received as children growing up Um, I don't make distinctions so much like that little t big t to me it's um, trauma events Mm -hmm. that create Mm -hmm. an adverse reaction in some way like that you need to you know that you carry with you that impact your nervous system that impact um even if you don't know it but things that ultimately impact your daily living and need to be healed that's what i was thinking because some people don't even realize they had trauma or the way their father spoke to them when they were young i'm just making an example that actually stuck with them and and now inhibits them from going forward in certain areas we might not realize that those things can be healed that though you can get over those kinds of things and if you stop and think about what's stopping you from going forward it could be something that happened in your past and and seeking therapy from a clinic like yours definitely could help Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We, um, a lot of how we show up in our current relationships are things that um, are the way we related to our parents or saw our parents relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And so they're wounds that we carry and they get activated in current relationships with our most important people. Mm-hmm. So doing the work to go back and look at that and heal those old wounds can help in your current relationship, mm-hmm. to help mm-hmm. you communicate better, help you show up for your partner, for yourself. Mm-hmm, exactly. Cool. Actually, I grew up without a father. Uh, he passed when I was very young. And um, I was always when I was younger, I was always had a boyfriend. So I always thought in my head that I was trying to just have that male figure in my life. Uh, and then after many years of flirting and, you know, sledding around with lots of guys, I felt the shame of it. I thought, why am I doing this? And I think I probably could have gone through therapy when I was a young 20-year-old, you know, fucking everybody I could. I think, I think today you can still use some therapy. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and I really had an excuse in my head, like, oh, I missed out on having a male figure in my life, and I always wanted to have a male body beside me. And it's funny yeah. that I, I felt shame, but later in my life that right, maybe I shouldn't have been fucking around for the last five years, but maybe it's time to settle down and have a family. And I kind of turned complete opposite after that and said, okay, I'm going to find a good man who, you know, well, then I found a Goodman. <laughs> oh, Sorry, that's David's that's a name. Good fun. Good fun. <laughs> I love it. Anyway, so let, let's get away from what I went through and let's start talking a little bit about some of the main issues that you see in your clinic that you deal with. We, 
we work a lot with anxiety, with trauma, and with relationships. And so um, all of that stuff shows up, whether we're talking about sexuality, communication, just living your best life, and um, showing up as your real self. So we deal a lot with perfectionism and um, the not good enough feeling, which relates a lot to perfectionism. Going to send Carol there. She is an absolute perfectionist. Okay, stop. I'm not. Relax. relax. Oh, you absolutely are. Okay, okay. And the fact that you're not admitting it, you definitely need to go see Emmy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so not being good enough has stems from wanting to be better, being perfect all the time. And then we're focusing our lives on and just being right all the time or perfect all the time instead of living, just living our lives. Yeah, there's, there's exactly, exactly, exactly that, right? Like, focusing on what and this is not a lot of it is not conscious right like how how I can here's this person I want them to love me like a dad figure or a whatever and who do I need to be how do I need to show up what do I need to do in order to make them love me again not conscious but like if I need to, I need to be the mo- a certain weight or a certain um have a certain length of hair or dress a certain way or um speak a certain way or whatever. None of that is necessarily who I really am. If I stop and I check in inside and I ask like, hmm, how do I want my hair? I mean, I'm giving you really, right. really basic. Yes, basic um, sure. But, you know, how do I want my hair? Well, you know what? I want it to be short. Oh. So this is me like stepping into showing up who as who I am versus like, oh, some man told me or my dad told me my hair is only pretty if it's long, 20 inches long. Or curly or somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Now, reading your website and having spoken with you, one of your passions in life is talking about, talking to people about living their authentic lives. What do you mean by that? Yes. Okay. So it's deepening what I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, right? So it's really um, stepping outside of what society says you should be and more into who you really are and and so society gives us a lot of ideas of how we should show up in the world and we should um our weight should be a certain way women should be a certain way men should be a certain way um and that creates sort of like a framework for how we try to show up in the world which isn't necessarily who we really are and what we really want pleasure is a good example women in particular in general um, now this is the sexy lifestyle. So I'm sure your listeners are um, maybe less familiar with this right now in their lives, but um, women in general aren't acculturated to seek pleasure, right? Like a lot of our sexuality is wrapped around how we can serve men. Um, and so like to really, for women to sink into our own pleasure and our own um, joy and being able to speak that, like to even go through it with our partner and figure out like what that looks like for us and um, then live from that place authentically versus like what society tells us we should be. Right. That, that really makes sense. Now the thought I had while you were explaining this was that what happens when the people don't, when people don't know who they should be or, or who they really are inside and they just keep doing what they've been doing because they don't really know for a fact, like say they're just dabbling with bisexuality or homosexuality kink. or kink and they don't really know, is that really me or not? And they're, you know, what happens then? 
yes, that's where we come in. Okay, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> this is what we're passionate about, right? Like helping people explore this and teaching them to tune into their internal landscape because that's where the signals are of like, ooh, this gives me a like a feeling of like floaty joy, like fluffiness versus like, oh, I tried this thing and it gives me a feeling of like, ugh, mm. uh, ugh, like uh, what, but we don't often pay attention. We don't learn to pay attention to that. So I am super passionate about helping people tune into like what's going on inside of them as a gauge to learn who they really are. Wow, that's really cool. We're just going to take a quick break and we're going to get more deeper into this kind of discussion. But just hang on for a second because we want to remind everybody that we are Carol and David. This is A Sexy Lifestyle and we're having a great discussion with sexologist Amy Tafelski from Me Therapy. Now let's just take a second and talk about topless travel and the amazing trip that we have planned for later this year. Absolutely. Topless travel is the best. We know it. We've been with them. We've traveled with them. And if you're looking for the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever, then you simply need to book with Topless Travel. From hedonism to in Jamaica and desire in Cancun to all the Bliss Cruise experiences, Topless Travel needs to be your number one choice. Yeah, and their events are all about the people and the sexy fun experiences that they can have on these trips. So let's just take a second and shout out to all the sexy host couples because it's their job to make all of this work, including Chelsea and Mark, who are there to ensure that you have one hell of a sexy vacation. And boy, do they put on a great show. And um, for those of you who've been with us, you'll know that we travel on many of the amazing topless travel trips and listen up. The one we're really looking forward to is their Sexy Silver Full Takeover of Desire Pearl in Cancun from October 16th to 23rd, 2022. We're going to be there. We're going to be there naked on the beach. We're going to be broadcasting live. And rooms are selling out quickly, so go to toplesstravel.com and book now. And you can join us for a week. We'd love to meet you. And for more information about this trip or any of the Topless Travel events, you can go to thesexylifestyle.com and click on the Topless Travel event link to book the sexiest and most erotic vacation ever. Ever, ever, ever. (laughs) We just love traveling. Um, with COVID coming to an end, well, not to well, an we end, hope, but we hope, we hope, we we hope. hope <laughs> traveling loosen up. We're going to do a lot more traveling this year. You're going to see us doing more shows on location. So stay tuned. Um, you all know we're Carol and David. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. We're going to get back to our show now with sexologist Emmy Tafelski from Me Therapy, and we're going to get into talking about swinging and polyamory. But before we get going. Emmy likes talking about the love style versus the lifestyle. So what do you mean by that? Not everyone engages in consensually non-monogamous behavior. That includes love. So um, like my definitions and people can define things however they want and however it works for them. But um, for me, swinging is more about... Um, enjoying sexual activity with other couples or other singles or however that works. And polyamory involves more of a romantic connection and a love, potentially love connection. And so I use both of those terms just to be, um, to cover all the bases, right? Like some things include love, some things don't include love. Both ways are totally fine. And however you um, see yourself fitting into whatever category or none of them that's all fine too right i saw a meme today on instagram and it was like uh, something like this it was um 
having sex without love is just exercise. I'm there. Yay. Good, pleasurable exercise. I like exercise like that. Are we going to have exercise tonight, huh? <laughs> we sure are. Okay. So, I yeah, love that. I, you know, it's cool that you can have sex without love. And other people say, oh, my God, I, w- I would want to have love without sex. So, whatever. I'm just saying there's but so that, many permutations. But that's and, exactly our definition of who we are. You know, we're swingers. We're emotionally monogamous. Mm-hmm. But we like fucking other people yeah and we're, you know and we're it's just committed. sex it's just like adding yeah. a bunch of sex toys into your life except these They're, toys have arms and legs and cocks and, <laughs> and talk. talk and you know you can go out for a drink with yeah uh, then again you could take one of some of your sex toys to have a drink with you but it's just not the same right. thing. they're not warm bodies right so as yeah, it's nice to be able to talk it is absolutely so as you're talking about the two different love styles and lifestyles like let's now describe the difference between swinging and polyamory because not everybody gets the difference I think, so I want to be, you know, people define swinging and people define polyamory differently. And so I just like, this is my thinking on it um, and not hard and fast rule by any stretch of the imagination. And so for me, the way I think of swinging is people who are engaging in sexual activity that isn't really an emotional connection. It's not, not intended really to be an emotional connection. I mean, I think... There are lots of friendships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but not not a love connection or a romantic connection. Uh, as you said, it's uh, warm bodies having fun and pleasure together and really um, enjoying themselves. Polyamory involves more of that romantic connection, more of that, uh, I mean, I'm going to say love, but I think... I mean, not everyone falls in love, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. intent, like it, it has more of an umbrella of, of the romantic right. connection, emotional connection, um, potentially love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've met many uh, polyamory uh, groups, not, I won't say couples, uh, but people who are in polyamorous relationships. And just explain all the different permutations you actually could have in a polyamorous relationship, because it doesn't mean that they all love each other. It's almost limitless. Right, it's yeah, like it is almost yes, limitless. but it could be um, uh, a, a woman loving another woman who also loves another man. It, it, I'm just give us a couple ideas of these different permutations that could be in those relationships. Yeah, uh, you can have a V, so one person with two partners. Yep. Um, you can have Amy showing a us square. her fingers. <laughs> yes, I, I, <laughs> it's her, all her, good. Her peace sign—that's the V. <laughs> My upside peace sign, um, a V, one person, two partners. Uh, it can be like a chain, you know, one person, two partners, and then that person has another partner, and then that person has another. I don't know how to do this without my hands, so I apologize to our listeners <laughs> who are not seeing my hands. Um, you can have a triangle. You can have, I mean, a, a square. You could have two, four people all involved together, three people all involved to, I mean, yeah, I, David said it. I think it's really limitless. And it allows people to make their own rules based on what works for them Mm -hmm. uh, and involves a tremendous amount of communication. Mm Mm-hmm. And not all polyamorous couples, uh, people live with their uh, their various partners. It doesn't mean you're polyamorous Correct. and you all live in the same house. You could definitely mm-hmm. be all over the block. Mm-hmm. Just wanna, yes, and yeah. they don't all involve sex either. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, that, like, again, all kinds of permutations. Mm-hmm. However, it works for people mm-hmm. in the relationship. Good. And, and that's something we also promote at meat therapy right is the idea that you can crafting your own relationship which applies to monogamy too 
Now, without typically, sorry, without judging, sorry. I would love to hear what you think is the most um, interesting relationship parameters that you've seen in your therapy. I say interesting because I don't want to say weird or wonderful. I just want to say the most interesting. No, I I don't want to say that. You just said it. Okay. Okay. So you're done. (laughs) No. So interesting is the word I'm choosing here. I'm not editing that out. Okay. Good. (laughs) Um, I think we often, the most interesting is couples trying to make a poly mono couple work um, where one partner is polyamorous or some other consensually non-monogamous permutation and the other partner is monogamous. And I think um, these folks are super brave and um, it's it requires extra, extra, extra communication and really working to heal all those childhood buttons that are in there and a lot of love for each other. So mm-hmm. I, I would say that's probably the most interesting thing that we see. Wow. Cool. Now, now, over the years, you've obviously become an expert, like you said earlier, in alternative lifestyles, which are swinging, poly, kink, BDSM, and it goes, you know, very, very wide. Um, it's not always... Um, what, textbook? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, it's not always, you know, bells and whistles and everything goes right sometimes things go wrong and it doesn't work properly so when those couples come to see you and we know couples who have great relationships also need to come see therapists for you know how do, how do I keep maintaining yeah. it and keep it going good but those couples who, who come to you with some issues um, what are some of the issues they deal with um, let, let's say a swinging couple um, and, and how do you help them resolve those issues um so we work a lot with the emotional parts that are happening. Um, and so by deepening into the emotional disconnection, it helps people communicate better. So we come from an attachment perspective, which is a whole bunch of information you don't need. <laughs> um, but we really work to go back and heal childhood wounds so that people can show up better in their current um, relationships. As to what we see a lot of, I would say across the board, we see a lot of betrayal, Mm -hmm. um, whether they're people in alternative lifestyles or not. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, you know, anytime we're lying to our partner Mm -hmm. um, or stepping outside of the rules that we've established as a relationship, then um, there's going to be the fallout of betrayal and that's tough. So before, before I get to the question that we get asked all the time, which is, how do I convince my partner to, I want to ask you the question, do you have people that come to see you for help where one partner wants to do, for example, uh, the woman wants to put on a strap on and fuck her partner up the ass, pegging, and the other guy says, there's no way you're putting that up my ass. Do you deal with, with stuff like that as well? Uh, we would if it came through the door. Okay. Um, I, I can't say that's a case that I've... I have personally seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, there's just That's lots. Good. Of, but you see lots of different types of issues that couples have, whether it's in the alternative lifestyle or it's just. Well, wait, I'm getting back to my question. Oh, okay, I want to get, get back okay, to my sure. question. Yes. Okay. So the question we get asked all the time, yeah. and yeah. our listeners ask us, and there's there's many people out there who want to explore the alternative lifestyle, and and Carol and I can't talk about the other pieces of it because we only play in the swinging lifestyle. 
but we get asked is how do I convince my partner how do I entice my partner to do something outside of a monogamous relationship how would you answer that question um, if I were in a therapy setting I would not say it this way um, but we are all about authenticity right so um, I would I would not advise trying to convince your partner to do things that is outside of their comfort zone. Correct. What I would say is that um, using I statements to, to talk with your partner with the help of a therapist or something like that, right, to create a safe environment where you can say, hey, I really want to try X, Y, Z. Can we talk about it? Um, and then it, it becomes a negotiation, right? Um People in a kink lifestyle are very good at negotiation, right? Because they negotiate all the things they do. In most alternative lifestyles, there's some bit of negotiation around the rules and what works for you as a couple. And so this is the beginning of the negotiation. It's not that I'm going to convince them and make them do things so much as it's a, here's my opening gambit. This is what I would like to try. How do you feel about that? Let's see where we go from here. Now, we've heard many times from, um, you know, people on Instagram saying, oh, how can I get my wife to be like you? You know, you're open, you do this, you do that, you do everything. Um, I usually say, well, have you talked about it? Yeah, we talk about it all the time. She just says no and shuts me down. And so that is what happens a lot of times out there. And it's, I mean, you can talk in general to these guys. It's, I'm going to say guys because it mostly is. Uh, you know, mo- there's a lot of women mostly who is who con- to explore. Mostly is guys who ask me, how do I, oh, okay. Know, how do I get my wife to be like more like you, more open and whatever? So yeah. I usually say, well, have you spoken to your wife about it? Yes, yes, yes. She shuts me down every time. But what would you say in general, even if without coming to therapy, would be a very good opening statement? They've spoken about it already. They've talked yeah. about it. She shuts them down all the time. But is there any compromising to be done? Uh, and I would invite him to invite curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, honey, um, I, I, I'm hearing you say no, like, like that this is a hard no for you. Can you tell me more about that? Like, like what, what are you feeling? What's going on for you when I ask this? Right. Yeah. Like I, I, anytime we can be curious about what's happening for our partner or ourselves. Mm-hmm. Sure. We leave it open for d- more discussion. So one, one of the things that we always suggest to people because we're not experts, we're not doctors, but we have a lot of experience. We've been swingers for 15 years. And, um, you know, when, when you approach someone with the fact that you want to have sex outside of the traditional monogamous marriage, it's, it's a big shock to some people. And instead, yeah. of, instead of going, you know, 100% in, you know, we always tell people, you know, there are lifestyle swinging clubs all over North America and Europe. And one of the soft ways of going into it is taking your wife and spicing up your sex life and you go to one of these clubs, not to play, but to have a nice sexy evening and she can wear something hot. You go out, you shop together, heels, lingerie. But, what, but what that's it? the point they're saying to me being open and sexy and stuff. Their wives are not even doing that. No, but they're what, not I, interested what I'm in saying that. is if the guys are going in full bore saying, I want to bring another person into our relationship and fuck them well there's f- three or four steps before that where it could be a much softer discussion that's what i'm saying yeah. emmy what do you think about that yeah i agree 100 percent. i think um we can't eat a whole elephant right like mm. but you but you maybe can eat it in small bites mm. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i wouldn't eat an elephant but um <laughs> but i think anything that's yeah taking it in stages in steps um 
And and I think it starts with a lot of conversations, right? right? And then that's like the first door. And then it's maybe shopping for a sexier dress and maybe going to maybe doing role play at right, home. Right, right before yeah. you even step, venture out. Now, I mean, when I was talking about these guys asking, how can my wife get be sexy like you? You know, like, and I wear the high heels and I wear the short dresses and I, you know, I go on Instagram and I pose, etc. cetera. Um, but they, they don't even realize that for some women that they don't even want to wear high heels. In the it's house? Like they, it, they just don't want that. And so that's not being their authentic person. They're trying to be being coerced into being a sexy person instead of being just who they want to be and live their lives without pressure. So yeah. I mean, I just want to say that I think all of that fits into our conversation. And if your wife doesn't want to be that, I know, persona, then she doesn't. But you can ask her, what is she comfortable with? Okay, you could. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying don't. Uh, certainly you can do fantasy role play where you know For he's sure. going to fantasize she's got the high heels on or fantasize she's I don't know, a hooker or something different that's good for him. But it doesn't mean yeah. that she has to take on that persona that turns him on, right? That's that's yep. a lot to ask from your partner if you don't want that. That's not living authentically. And, and, and then again, there's a lot of men and women out there who don't know what they don't know. And that's why going to see a therapist is good. Mm -hmm. Listening to credible podcasts, listening, um, mm -hmm. going on to websites that have credible blogs and reading about this information and not having these discussions right when you're having sex oh no <laughs> right these are discussions oh, yeah. to have you know over coffee when everybody's awake and there's no alcohol involved and um you know you can listen to i i don't know how many of our 300 shows we've spoken about this but we started the show talking about how important communication is and it just is you have to talk about it because one person can't say his whole life well i really wanted to do it but i never brought it up to my partner and then you bring it up to your partner and then a partner says no and you're done for another 20 years have that open dialogue nobody's going to die nobody's going to get hurt from it it's just great to have that open dialogue about anything related to your relationship or sexuality yeah 100% agree and i think um I think putting kind of what both of you are saying together, right? Like, like you, yes, let's discover authentically what is the sexuality that we can create for our relationship. If I look at Carol and I think like, oh, I want my wife to wear high heels and dress like Carol and be more open. That may, you know, may not be your wife at all, but maybe you together can play around and come up with what is right for the two of you right. to spice things up. Which right. is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it can absolutely be fun. It That's just, the whole idea, It just idea, might right? be some lingerie or a, a more sexy bikini. Just something like that. Just something to spice it up that's different. I mean, when we first got together, the first thing we did is we got silk sheets. And then Carol <laughs> had silk pajamas. And she went sliding on the bed and went right off because silk <laughs> on silk makes you very slippery. But you, <laughs> I can remember the very first bathing suit that David bought for oh, me. Oh, my God. It was brown. Okay. But I remember it. Yeah. And then it was like I only wore one piece bathing suits when I met David and yeah. this was a two piece bathing suit and then we you know then we went like I wear micro bikinis and now, now I'm naked most of the time so it does take time it's not like I was born sexy like this I felt comfortable I felt safe with my partner and we went step by step you know with going from you know full one piece bathing suit to a you know two piece and then a bikini and then a micro bikini so it doesn't happen overnight and I think that's also a very good message we shouldn't forget to mm -hmm. tell everyone now, yeah, we, we, we were talking about swinging and polyamory, but what about other things like sexual orientation, sexual fluidity, gender identity? How, how are those approaching you in your, in your therapy? Um, we don't, I mean, we are inclusive to all, 
all of everything. <laughs> but are you seeing more of it? I seeing more than before. More, no, no. We, I mean, we have always been a safe place for people who think of themselves as alternative. Okay. Um, I so I have we have always seen a lot of the LGBTQ community, and um, what's funny to me is I. I don't know if it's my age or what. I mean, I'm 47, but I um, I don't think of the LGBT community so much as alternative, right? Um, so, but I but people who fe- who look at our marketing and feel themselves to be alternative in some way or to um, have not belonged wherever they are or whoever they are find their way to us because mm-hmm. we create a safe space for all of them all mm-hmm. these folks mm-hmm. and that's kind of my dream yeah like, just, yeah no, it's important no, to it's have absolutely. that dream and that passion yeah for no, sure it's great that that outlet could be there today where we all know at, well at the age we are that there was not long ago when there was you know people getting killed just because they had ideas of same-sex marriages or yeah. anything uh, like that so it's cool that we've evolved into this um, well, age. We still have lots of work to do, obviously, and lots of things to learn. Uh, Dave and I still are not comfortable or not used to, anyways, uh, talking to people who, uh, in the, in the terms like vulva owners or penis owners, rather than him and her. You know, like we're not used to that because that's not how we talk. But I think that's a lot of ways that people therapists do talk today, right? Yeah, we try to be inclusive as much as possible. Um, my bathroom signs at the office say restroom and inside say menstrual products versus feminine products oh, right like, interesting. like that's a shift in languaging um yeah because it's more inclusive right so right yeah there's uh, we always have work to do on this i know that's um, what i was thinking yeah exactly all right that was another great segment this show's just flying by let's just remind everybody this is a sexy lifestyle we are carol and david we're having an amazing discussion with sexologist amy tafelski from me therapy coming up next is our favorite segment great sex matters so stay right there so are you interested in vaginal rejuvenation and sexual health it's a topic that we want to talk about more because how we look and how we feel make a huge difference in the way we live sexy The company Lumisk has developed an easy treatment system for vaginal rejuvenation. It's a product that you can use on yourself and at home. It's a carboxy gel called CO2 Lift V. You simply mix together two packets of gel and apply it to your vulva and inside your vagina before bedtime and then rinse it out in the morning. The gel infuses CO2 into the skin to encourage blood flow It promotes healing and cell regeneration, and the great thing is that there's no discomfort or downtime. This CO2 Lift V treatment keeps your vaginal tissue healthy and happy. It increases lubrication and sensation and makes sex more fun at any age. After you finish the initial course of weekly treatments, you can easily maintain your results with applications once a month. Also, it's a sure way to snap back after a long night of great sex. For more information, visit CO2Lift.com, buy yours today, and get a 15% discount if you use promo code SEXYLIFE at checkout. That's S-E-X-Y-L-I-F-E. Great sex starts now. And remember, if you're looking for an online open-minded community to meet compatible people in your area, you should go to SDC.com and use promo code 30314 for your first month free. So check it out. 
Alrighty, we're back. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters, and we all deserve it. All right, this is the part of the show where we get down and dirty with our guests, and I think Emmy's going to have a lot of fun with this segment. I think I think there's a lot of naughtiness hidden <laughs> in that educated therapist that we've been talking to for the first two parts of the show. So, Emmy, let's start nice and soft. Did you grow up in a sexually open-minded family? Nope, absolutely not. So okay, funny. so many have not. Yeah. And and did you start being a little sexual deviant when you were young or did you wait till you were in your 20s? Um, in my late teens, probably, I would say. Mm-hmm. And were you the girl that went to the football stadium, stood under the stands and did the whole team? Definitely not. Not that Ooh. girl. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was, um, I was the girl who dated older guys. I, I've, I've, been a serial monogamist uh, for most of my life. Okay. And um, I had an older boyfriend, one that was into kink. And um, so that kind of got me started down the kink path at a young age. Mm-hmm. And do no, you that's remember, interesting. Do you remember the first time you had great sex? Yeah, it was not until I uh, met my current husband wow. and we've been together 17 years. <laughs> no, 18 years. I'm sorry. Wait. A little over 18 years. Sorry. That's cool. COVID time. Yeah, I know. A few years are missing. In so you this got COVID into time. your thirties before you had great sex. Um. Uh, yes, I was twenty eight, twenty seven, something like that. Wow, well, Carol, you're the same. I know. Right? I've only had great sex since I've met David, and I was uh, forty two when we met. So. Yeah. You had I, a lot of quantity before. Uh-huh. Yeah. Lots of lots of sex with lots of different guys, but definitely not good sex and or you were great saying, sex. You were saying like you only had your first orgasm in your mid-20s? Yeah, no, 21. Yeah, I remember it. I know the guy. <laughs> I know exactly when it was, where it was, and I can remember it to, to this day. But uh, yeah, I was 21. I had already been having sex for six years without an orgasm. I think now I think, oh my God, how could that even happen? How long did it take you, Emmy, to realize you had your first orgasm? Yeah, I think it was when I met my husband. Wow. Honestly. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. It's it's crazy, right? It's really crazy. Um, I mean, outside of self-pleasuring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, um, I know you like your soapbox all talking about peri, that, that, the fact that you're perimenopausal. Why don't you share some of these things that you've experienced? Of course, I've experienced a lot because I'm through and on, over the other side. But really, how does it affect your libido, your desire and arousal? Things that, you know, some advice maybe that you can give to people. I'm finding that it's um, sex and sexuality have always been in the foreground of my brain my for many, many years. And I'm finding that they are much less so in perimenopause. And, well, honestly, I don't like it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my preference is to think more about sex and have a higher libido and all that jazz. Um, and so I am currently on bioidentical hormones um and so I, I think it's important for women and the partners that love us to um talk about perimenopause we don't talk about it um i grew up thinking that you know you'd get get to menopause have some hot flashes stop having your period and that would be the end of that like no one told me that pretty much everything that's happening to me right now 
is related to perimenopause, like mood and dry eyes. And like recently I read an article about uh, vagina atrophy, which totally freaked me out. <laughs> and so they recommended, you know, exercising your vagina three times a week. And so I'm all about that. So um, despite the fact that my libido is not what it used to be, I'm intentional about keeping sex in my life in the way that I want, like that I have always wanted it to be. Um, I think that being intentional about sex is super important for many life stages and for relationships and for pleasure and for fun and for all that jazz. So um, I would say that that is one way to flow through perimenopause is to um, really be intentional about your sexuality, even when it's not um, the way it used to be. So there's a bit of acceptance of like, okay, this is where I'm at right now. And um, how can I be intentional about this and keep it rolling and mm -hmm. make sure that there's no vagina atrophy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because getting through the perimenopause and then the menopause and then getting beyond it and trying to still cope with the libido issues and, you know, desire and even the, you know, the effect of arousal when you're postmenopausal even, um, it's hard. And it's hard even being in the lifestyle when um, you're not feeling great about, you know, your, everything that's going on. And, and it, it's, it is more of an effort. But I am also on bioidentical hormones. And I find that helps a lot. David's su yeah. super um, patient. I guess patient is the word. <laughs> Understanding. Understanding. There you go. Um, and he helps me along because we've, we've made a pact that we will not stop having great sex. We, we, we want to have great sex. And even when I'm not feeling up to it, he knows the kind of triggers that help me to feel comfortable about it, how he invites me into his little den of... I don't know, intimacy. He's very romantic, so that helps a lot. And he's never rushing yeah. it. The longer we have the intimate moments, the better for him. So he's never rushing. Quickies are still fun, but it's kind of good. You really have to have, an, uh, I guess, an understanding partner to get you yeah. through this because this is kind of how it's going to be for the rest of our lives, right? And, yeah. 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 And it sounds like the two of you really crafted what works. And um, yeah, I mean, that's like, but that, that's the only it's the only option because well for you know, us <laughs> you know we don't want to give up on it so i'll talk to the guys yeah. out there i mean you can't be um blaming her you can't be resentful you you can't do anything it just is it's it's um mother nature and some women get it where there's no libido other women get it where there's no change other ones get more libido and it just is you you can't you can't do something you can't buy something to fix it the bioidentical hormones are good they're not perfect but you know what carol was saying is creating that loving environment that understanding environment becoming great communicators we've become even better negotiators <laughs> yeah i'm talking about it we have a sexual menu that we create and we pick things that we want to do we have sex toys that we use certain nights we do mutual masturbation because it's just easier and you know it's, it's a lot of work for for fucking right um and so we have this whole repertoire of things that we do. And, um, you know, I've moved a little bit into understanding that it's not going to happen as much as I want to have it. And Carol is very mindful, and we'll talk about mindfulness in a second, that there's a lot that I do need. 
and um, even when we go out swinging, we make sure that everything is lined up because we don't want to go into a swinging situation where it's going to come out and not make us a stronger couple. So we, we talk about all this stuff, and the most important thing in anything we do is us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and if we're not, if it's not going to be good for us, we just don't do it. But before, when I had lots of libido and I was in a party and jumping around from guy to guy and fucking them all and having fun and jumping on a cock and jumping off a cock, it was great because if it wasn't great, well, I mean, it was fun because if it wasn't great, who cares? I'll jump onto the next one. But now that my arousal and desire is different, it's like I want good every time. And that's, I know yeah. it's being a perfectionist, I get that, okay? All to be for. But I really don't want to waste my time with, with guys that are not pleasing me. And it's being a bit more selfish because I have a guy at home who's an amazing lover. He knows every part of my body and how to make it feel great. I don't need to waste my time with a swinger who's not doing that for me. So I'm a little bit more picky, well, very much more picky these days as to who we play with. And when we find some great guys or great couples, um, we stick with them kind of, you know, like we, we visit, yeah. we, we meet more often just because we know it's going to be great instead of that unknown. But sometimes it's fun to do the unknown and David loves the unknown. So I understand that too. So we do a little bit of that, but he tries to help find the guys who are really going to make me happy and then he can have a great time at the same time. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So Emmy, tell us how you use mindfulness to have better sex with your husband. Yeah, I think, I mean, mindfulness, mindful sex is the best. (laughs) So it's really about um, being very present in what's happening in your body, right? So being present in my vagina, being present um, in like paying attention to where my husband is touching me and how he's touching me and really being present in the room, in my body, in my skin, in my vagina, wherever. Um, which a lot of people in our very overly busy culture have a lot of trouble with, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's really difficult. There's a laundry list in your head of all of the things that you should be doing and I need to do whatever. And um, there's a lack of presence in sex. So being present and being mindful deepens connection between you and your partner, me and my husband, and also it just feels good, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, because the, um, the more you focus on what he's doing, the more the more you feel it, and then the yeah. more good it feels. And yeah, exactly. That's yeah. you know more explosive than if my mind is half wondering about like what's for dinner. Ever happened to you, hun? Uh, well, I'm getting very good You're at it. You're getting now. much better yeah. at being in the moment. Yeah, and you know what, Emmy? And David reminds me; he can tell right away ha- when, when we're yeah. having sex, and I see her brain wandering. I say, "Babe, stay with me. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. focus on my cock yeah. and your pussy, yeah. on my tongue on your clit. Yeah. Just stay with me, because I see her like going this way. Her clit gets yeah. a little less erect. She's not as wet. And I said, come back, come on, we'll stay in the moment. <laughs> and I try yeah. really, um, yeah, it's really helpful. Those little cues are helpful to get back into the moment yeah. and start feeling. And then I focus back on my body and where he's touching and what, what, what everything's feeling. And when I know you're present, my cock is harder. Oh, I know that, yes. And I know sometimes if your cock goes um, a little bit limp or less hard, I think, oh, shit, I, I got to I gotta step this up, you know. I'm right. not making it fun for him if I'm drifting off. And he can feel the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. No, that's really good. All right, last question before final oh, advice. Oh, nice. Great. So 
we're going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> One of the things we want to know is if, if you have like a memorable experience with your husband that you always... Sexual experience. Yeah, about a memorable sexual experience with your husband. That's like your go-to in your mind if you're trying to get aroused or, or feel good or just love your husband more. I don't know. Something you can think of? I think the one that comes to mind is um, we spend a lot of uh, time in Greece. That's where we got married. That's where my family's from. All that stuff. And um, we, when we're there, we often have sex on the balcony. And um, the stars are something we don't see here because we're on an island in the middle of nowhere. And so, um, and the ocean is kind of crashing like right over the side of the balcony. And that is a really... Uh, full sensory experience of um, the waves crashing and the feeling of us and the it's the feeling of the air and the whole like it's it's really Nice, yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's a little bit like us on Bliss Cruise when we're out on the balcony. We're fucking on the balcony and you have the moon and the stars and the, the water flowing by yeah. and you don't hear or see anything else and you're just focusing on the two bodies. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. We, we, we get what you're saying. It's awesome. Absolutely beautiful. Great, great story. Thank yeah, you for sharing. Yeah, nice memory as well. All right. Well, as we, when we come to the end of our show, we like to leave our audience with a nice piece of final advice. So what would you say would be the top two things that people could do today to start living a more authentic life? I would say the first one is to check in with yourself, right? To, to start to begin to pay attention to what a yes feels like in your body and what a no feels like in your body. Like what feels right to you, what doesn't feel right to you. And then number two is communicating those ki- kinds of things with your partner right mm-hmm. like it's all it's all about communication using i statements and sharing your wants needs and desires with your partner and creating what works for the both of you or multiples of you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely awesome. Awesome. wow awesome. wow great well emmy tefelski uh that was uh one of the quickest hours we have done <laughs> recently um it's so nice talking to someone who has so much credible information and thanks for sharing all of that with us and all our audience um why don't you tell everyone how they can find your work your website and you yep they can um find our website at me-therapy.com that's spelled out me-therapy.com excellent and of course if you missed and if you missed any of this information you just have to go to our website thesexylifestyle.com where all of our guests have their own guest page with all their information and you can even contact emmy directly from there if you didn't catch the information before so go there too beautiful and like we did this week we're learning more and more every week from all our great guests we hope you do too if you have any questions at all you know you can simply send us an email at ask at carolindavid.com Alrighty. Wow. The end of another great show with another amazing guest. Emmy Tafelski, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a genuine pleasure. Absolutely. On our side as well. And like we do every week, we want to thank all our listeners for being there week in and week out. So join us again next time for another hour of the sexy lifestyle, talking about sex, sexuality, sexual health and pleasure, and all the fun ways to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Well, that's it for our show today. Carol and I and Emmy send you lots of love and great sex. Please stay safe. And of course, stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank 
you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever.